Yes, in the copy of your scriptures, I will be looking at 2 Kings chapter 5 this morning, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 9 through about the first part of verse 15. 2 Kings chapter 5. The word of God says this, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told the Lord, his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And then down to verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and he went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Let's pray. Father, you are so great. We stand in awe of your majesty and your sovereignty. We, we come to worship you this morning alone. And Lord Jesus, you are the word. So fill us with your word today, the words of eternal life, words of hope, peace, and joy. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would humble our hearts, guard our thoughts, and guide us into all truth. And Lord Jesus, we ask this all in your great name. Amen. Would you be seated, please? Well, I'm not the main pastor of preaching by any means. That's Pastor Dan Crevillian. He's taking some vacation now. And he's been preaching in a series on the book of Romans. Well, we're going to exit the Roman road for today and take a look at this book of 2 Kings, which shows us 
how incomprehensible God's ways are in this healing of Naaman. And I want to ask a question. What do Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army in about 850 B.C., Frank Sinatra, and all of us in this room have in common? We like to do things our way. In fact, Sinatra wrote a hit song titled, um, what is it, uh, I Did It My Way. Yeah, I Did It My Way. We're very good at wanting our way. For example, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden wanted to do things their way after they were deceived by Satan. Well, that didn't work. King David did things his way after an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband. Needless to say, that didn't work. Even our grandson, Oliver, is very particular about when we play with toy trains. And he plays with the one that he wants, and then he gives Grandpa the other one. And so, yes, three-year-olds are very good and doing things their own way. And wanting our way reflects our self-centeredness, which is emanating out of pride, which is sin. And pride says our way is best, and no one else's is, including God's ways. Scripture, however, speaks to the fact that God's ways are so much better than ours. Here's what the author himself of the Bible says about his ways in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I have a saying which expresses the fact that God's ways are so much higher than ours. Listen to this. God's incomprehensibility is too incomprehensible for me to comprehend. Let me say that again. God's incomprehensibility is too incomprehensible for me to comprehend. The magnitude of God and His ways is staggering. Scripture says, in fact, that His ways are inscrutable. Attempting to comprehend God's ways is like trying to empty the oceans of the world with a teaspoon. You can't do it. It can't be done. But here's an assurance. Not comprehending God's ways is okay. In fact, it's necessary that God have some mystery. If we attempt to put God in a box, we've reduced Him to our ways and our thoughts and we're really not worshiping Him. So, our main takeaway from this account in 2 Kings chapter 5 today of this healing of Naaman is that God is the hero. The focus is on God and His incomprehensible, unchanging, unfailing, sovereign, exclusive, perfect ways which point us to His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So today... We get to brag about God's greatness to the praise of His glorious grace, boasting about Him 
points us to the glory of Christ in the gospel because Jesus is the gospel. He is the good news. So I've got four points that I want to expound upon today in this message. And here they are, the four points that God's incomprehensible ways are sovereign, exclusive, perfect, and point to Jesus. So let's take a look at this thing about God's ways being sovereign. Now remember, in Scripture it said that Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, was a great man, a man of valor. He was in high favor with his master, and by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Everything about Naaman could be attributed to God, including the fact that God was sovereign over his leprosy. And in the text from 2 Kings chapter 5, we see God's sovereignty over Naaman's healing manifested in a little slave girl from Israel. Isn't it interesting that God would use an Israelite slave girl, a child, to point the way to Naaman's healing? Seems insignificant, doesn't it? And yet Jesus spoke of seemingly insignificant mustard seed and compared it to the kingdom of God. The gospel, a tiny seed, turns into a significant thing, which has significant effects on the lives of everyone who embrace it. Think about this. An insignificant slave girl was used by God to change the life of a significant man in order that the kingdom of God would grow. And Jesus spoke about Naaman, by the way. Take a look here at Luke chapter 4, verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Jesus was saying that God dispenses his grace to whomever he pleases. And in this case, not one Jew was cleansed of leprosy in the time of Elisha, except Naaman the Syrian. To proclaim that God chose to cleanse an enemy, a Syrian, no less, was unthinkable. That's why the priests and religious leaders of the time were incessantly angry with Jesus. He said and did things that didn't agree with their ways. But God's ways are always truly sovereign. And sovereign can be defined as supreme, paramount, having unlimited and absolute authority. The theme of God's sovereignty is written throughout the book of Isaiah chapters 45 and 46. I want to give you an example here from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 12. Listen to this. God says, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. Do you and me believe that our life is under God's sovereignty? Do you and me trust that God is in control when chaos and despair are screaming at us that the world is out of control? And what about in our own families? Do you and me worry that God isn't concerned about our marriage 
or a wayward child or an elderly loved one who has Alzheimer's is not God sovereign over all of these? Are we trusting in God's sovereign ways or would we rather trust in our ways? Scripture speaks to that. Here's Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Indeed, God can be trusted because He is sovereign. Think about this, church. God owns everything. We own nothing. God owes us nothing. We owe Him everything. And take note here on your left side on the wall on one of our core value plaques, if you'll notice here, on your left side on the east side of of the church building, One of the core values is that the triune God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sovereign over all things, working everything for His glory. And since God's ways are sovereign, and it describes His supremacy over all things for His own glory, it's important to realize that His ways are also exclusive. That brings us to our second point. Naaman wanted healing his way. That's what we heard in Scripture, not God's way. So how how does that make this God's ways exclusive? Well, Naaman arrived at Elisha the prophet's house with his entourage of of chariots and, and horses and servants. And in today's worth, the silver, gold, and fine clothing that he had brought to find favor with Elisha told an incredible value, probably close to three and a quarter million dollars. And he also expected Elijah to to come out and wave his hand and, and call on the name of the Lord his God and make a big show, a big spectacle out of this healing. And what did Elisha do? He sends a messenger out to tell Naaman that the simple remedy for healing his leprosy is this. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. And Naaman was furious when he heard that response. He turned away in a rage. He was probably thinking, why the dirty, muddy Jordan River for... For my cleansing, why not wash in the clean and beautiful waters of the rivers near Damascus? Now think about this. (laughs) When there's only one way to do something, and it's the right way, but it's not our way, how do we react? (laughs) How do we react? Well, Naaman's response was to turn away in an angry rage. He disrespected God's way of healing his leprosy. And get this, there is a danger in turning away from God's way and wanting our way instead. Here's Proverbs 
14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You see, Naaman was on a path that would lead to death if he didn't receive the cure for his leprosy. More importantly, he was on a path that would lead to spiritual death if he didn't receive a cure for his sin. God's way is exclusive in that it is the only way to be cleansed and forgiven of sin. Here's the simplistic beauty of the gospel. The pathway to God is exclusively through Jesus Christ. The pathway to God is exclusively through Jesus Christ. Take a look at John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. A man named John Newton experienced the exclusive ways of God, which changed his life. Newton, the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace, was a captain of a slave trading ship in the mid-1700s. During a violent storm, while on the While on the ocean, he realized God's way for his life was the only way. Later, he became a pastor and wrote the hymn which praises God for his exclusive way of rescuing wretched sinners from the darkness of sin. I love these words. You probably heard it and sang it. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see Those words are at the very heart of the gospel message. And that message proclaims Jesus as the only way to God. And since God is exclusive in His ways, He is also perfect in His ways. And that brings us to point three. Now remember, Naaman had stormed off in a a furious rage because God's way of healing didn't line up with His. In fact, Naaman's servants implored him to listen to Elijah. In essence, they were saying, here's the cure. If this were something really difficult, wouldn't you do it? And this is so simple. Won't you wash and be healed? Will you not do it? You see, God's perfect way included the servants of Naaman to make a a great change in the life of a desperately needy man. And when you think about it, when it comes to perfection then, there is no one like God. Here's Psalm 18, verse 30. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. God is the author of perfection. He himself is perfect. He is without sin. And yet, and yet, in his perfection, he would orchestrate a perfect healing, not only for Naaman's leprosy, but healing for Naaman's soul. And God would use Naaman's imperfect servants to speak truth into his life. Even after he turned away from God in a dis- 
disrespectful, angry rage. At that moment, God changed Naaman's life. God changed his heart, and what had been pride, arrogance, and anger was turned into humility and submission. Scripture says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So Naaman went into the Jordan, dipped seven times, and according to Scripture, his flesh was restored like that of a little child, and he was clean. Now consider this with regards to God's perfection. Under the new covenant in Christ's blood, and we celebrated the table of the Lord today, remembering that under the new covenant in Christ's blood, being the perfect sacrifice for every believer's sins, the person who trusts in Jesus has an eternal redemption that is secured by Christ Jesus' perfect righteousness. And that perfect righteousness covers every sin, past, present, and future. My question is, church, as you're listening to this message, let this sink into our hearts. Is your hope for today, tomorrow, and all eternity depending upon nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? Many have rejected the hope found in Christ alone, but for those who have received Jesus as their hope, the gospel changes everything. Think about that. After Naaman dipped in the Jordan River seven times, God cleansed him of his leprosy. And as a result, not only was Naaman's skin restored like that of a child, but he was made right with God. Is that you today? Have you been made right with God? Have you come to the cross Naaman came back to Elisha after he had dipped in the Jordan seven times. In fact, he and all his servants came back and proclaimed God's glory as the only sovereign, exclusive, and perfect God. And Naaman's experience is a picture that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our fourth and final point. God's way points to Jesus And so you're probably asking, Steve, well, how then does this story about the commander of a Syrian army nearly 3,000 years ago who had leprosy, how does that point to Jesus? Leprosy is like sin. Think about this. Leprosy is like sin. Both are hideous, disfiguring, and deplorable and are a death threat. People like you and me, whether we want to admit it or not, are a lot like Naaman. We really want to do things our way, even when it involves being cleansed from the horrible and ugly effects of sin. And this is where pointing to Jesus comes in. Think about this. God in all of his sovereignty, exclusivity, and perfection made the only way for people like you and me to be cleansed and made right with God. No amount 
of silver and gold or power and prestige influences God's favor towards saving anyone. God's sovereign, exclusive, and perfect way points to salvation in one name and one name alone, and that's the Lord Jesus. Here's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When you think of a person who points to Jesus, who would that be for you? Think about that. Having grown up in North Carolina, I think of the great evangelist and pastor Billy Graham. Maybe you think of Pastor Dan Crevillian or Pastor Ryan Perry as ones who point to Jesus. They certainly do. What about a Sunday school teacher, a co-worker, or a loved one? The question is, are we listening and obeying? Because God himself points to Jesus and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And in spite of Naaman's initial dismissal of God's way to be healed, he eventually listened and obeyed. Naaman turned toward God. He trusted in his sovereignty, exclusivity, and perfection. If you haven't already done so, what prevents you from turning to God in Christ for healing from sin? Naaman was given a new life by God's grace. God cured him of his leprosy and his sin. Now, you may not be a leper, but you're certainly a sinner like me and the rest of the people in this room and listening to this message. And so, this is a picture. This is a picture that points to the truth that in Christ alone, a person is made new and set free from the horrible disease of sin. A new life in Christ is a life changed forever. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you're probably thinking, Steve, what does, how can we apply that in the church today? what you've been speaking about. What areas of our lives will we ask God to change in order to, for us to become more like Jesus? As the church, are we willing to put away our pride in order that lives would be changed for God's glory? Or would we rather do things our own way? Would we rather make much of ourselves or make much of God? So here's a charge for all of us, from the youngest to the oldest here at La Crescent Evangelical Free Church. Are we willing to be ambassadors for Christ in an increasingly hostile culture toward the gospel? 
Will we trust God in His sovereignty, His exclusivity, and His perfection to use us to point others to salvation in Christ? If He can use a little slave girl to point Naaman to his healing, then He can use people like you and me to point others to the love of Christ. But there will be a cost to follow God's way. Are we ready to pay the price, for example, in things like church planning in order to see people healed and saved from sin? Does our love for Christ and our love for one another shine as a light in a dark world? And so I have a few concluding thoughts here. Elijah's message of washing in the Jordan River seven times. That was foolishness. That was nonsense to Naaman. But God's ways are always right and true. However, they don't always line up with our own common sense and certainly don't line up with the culture that surrounds us. So what prevents us from following God's way? Pride? Arrogance? And yet, even in that, God chooses to rescue and cleanse undeserving people from sin, like Naaman, like John Newton, like people like you and me. Why would God do that? Why would God do that? Here's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Even as He chose us in Him, even as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us for adoption as sons. And that implies sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. God chooses to cleanse and heal simply out of His rich mercy, great love, and to the praise of His glorious grace. That's difficult to comprehend, isn't it? That is difficult to comprehend why God would do that. But that's the incomprehensible, sovereign, exclusive, perfect God who points us to His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for His glory and for our good. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, indeed, your sovereignty is overwhelming to think that you, who are in authority over the entire universe, would love people like us, rebels, misfits, and yet, Jesus, in you we find the only way to salvation, the only way to peace, hope, and joy. 
you are indeed perfect in all of your ways. So, Spirit, as you have exalted the Lord Jesus today in this worship service, may we exalt him too. Would you lead us to point others to Jesus so that your name may be made much of? Father, thank you for this privilege to worship you today and to make much of you. Help us to go outside these walls and proclaim the good news. It's in your name we pray, Jesus alone. Amen.